Praise God. God bless you. Give the worship team a shout out. Good job, worship team. The songs, the songs are perfect. They just go with the message so I, uh, perfectly today. Thank you for, uh, thank you for coming out. Um, so last week we talked about the four faces of Jesus found in the Gospels and prophesied in Ezekiel and then again in Revelation uh, by uh, John. A lion, an ox or a calf, a man and an eagle, and then how they reflect even our walk through with Christ and how we're, we can praise through the lion of a tribe of Judah, how we can serve as an ox or a calf. Man suffers. We know that Jesus suffered. And then uh, the last one, how the eagle rises above, but how we really just bow below uh, the king of kings and say, holy, holy, holy. Today, we're going to talk about the uh, three offices of Christ. And the next week, we'll talk about the five wounds on Palm Sunday. And it's important that we understand that, yes, Jesus is victorious. And yes, he won the battle for us. But he came for very... Uh, distinct reasons, and so that we we know that when and why he came, then he leaves some stuff in our midst. I've been reading some books about uh, Saint Francis of Assisi. I guess uh, Francis of Assisi uh, is the most written about person this side of Jesus Christ, other than Jesus Christ. And he was a world changer. He was a revolutionary back in the 1200s or so A.D. Uh, Francis was from a very wealthy family and, and didn't, weigh, didn't acknowledge the wealth because in his mind, wealth uh, meant promiscuity and it meant sin and it meant all these things, which we know today doesn't necessarily mean that, but uh, they were a bureaucratic family, his, his father was, and they were political and all these things were power hungry. And this was taking place in the 12, 11, 12, and 1300s in, in the world. And Francis didn't want any of that. Francis just wanted to serve God and God used him as a revolutionary to change the church of the world at that time. And sometimes we look at maybe who, someone who's a saint, St. Francis of Assisi or St. Patrick or other saints that maybe certain churches or denominations will call them a saint that I want you to know that that doesn't make them any less of a person. These were great, great men and women that lived at one time, and they were world changers. And so uh, the Franciscan monastery that Francis uh, started has one of the longest revival prayer meetings that's taken place in the history of mankind since the 1200s. So, you know, 900 or 1,000 years, uh, their monastery has prayed 24-7, 365 for the last 1,000, 1,100 years, however long it's been. They've planned, since they planted that prayer meeting, they've always had someone praying. That's to be acknowledged. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a good, good thing. Uh, we call a prayer meeting in some charismatic churches, and you might have five people show up. Come on. Come on, church. Duke, North Carolina plays. People can't go to sleep called prayer meeting, and people are like, oh, we just got to pray again? What do you mean? So we have to get our priorities straight. You don't have to pray for the next, you know, thousand years, 24-7, 365. But I want to acknowledge the person that did that. Well, Francis of Assisi said this, start by doing what is necessary. 
That's a key word there, necessary. And then he says, then do what's possible. So do what's necessary, then do what's possible. And he says, and suddenly you'll be doing the impossible. And that's important because that'll kind of line up with what we're talking about today as far as the offices of Christ, because Christ came to fulfill some offices, but not only fulfill the offices, but then to hand those offices off or to allow us to be a part of the different offices that he uh, set up. So he came as a priest, as a prophet, or a prophet, priest, and a king, and we'll talk about that today. But first, let's read out of Hebrews. Now, Hebrews, we're going to read 6 and 20, and then 7, 1, 2, 3, 4. Man has made the chapters and the verses. It's a, it's a fluid story, and so you'll see we jump from one chapter to another. That's only man's doing. It's a continual story where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, prince of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him. Abraham took 318 men, warriors, and they went and fought nations, and God gave them victory and power over that, and, and it was an amazing story. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. It would be similar to Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is righteous. Now, we get that out of the Messiah. Jewish uh, name for that, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem or Shalom, which is king of peace, okay? And he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. This is not a tithing message. You could use it as such. This is a message about the offices of Christ and, and, and how Melchizedek was before the law of Moses and before the tribes of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today that you filled, Lord, the offices of prophet, of priest, and of king and you are amazing at that. You did that for us so that we could understand better in the earthly world of what heaven is like and the door that you totally opened for us. Thank you so much. Now, help us to hear. Help us to receive. Help us to understand. Help us to have knowledge, by the Lord, of, of these things as you impart it today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Those three words that Francis spoke, necessary and then he spoke possible, and then he spoke impossible. I want you to kind of wrap your mind around that because as we talk about the priest and the prophet and the king, there's first something that's necessary that we must do, and then there's something possible that we can do, and it opens door to the impossible. There's scriptures that I'll give that would coincide with that. Necessary, Hebrews 9 and 23 says, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these. Uh, the word possible, Mark 9, 23, Jesus says, and Jesus said to him, a person came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you can, would you heal? And so Jesus is almost taken back. If you can, he says, all things are possible for one who believes. And so we're going to see today how things are possible in your life. And then the impossible, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but you know the rest. But with God, all things are possible, Matthew, the 19th chapter and 26th verse. And so 
we're looking at a couple words, we're looking at a couple offices that Jesus uh, filled when he was here. I'm going to give you an insight. Only the priest would come out of the Levitical priesthood. That was how they were set up. This is how God ordained it. This is how God made it. And only the kings came out of the uh, tribe of Judah. So the Levi tribe produced priests. The Judah, Judah tribe produced kings. This is how it was. This is how it would be. Now, David filled an office of a king, but he also acted like a priest. Now, that was unofficial. He wasn't named a priest. He didn't wear the ephod, although he put it on one time. He didn't eat the showbread, although he went and ate the showbread. Jesus mentions of that. And so it allows us the insight that maybe there's offices that Jesus filled that he also would like us to fill as well. That's important to know because we're not here on a Sunday morning just bidding our time for an hour or an hour and five minutes. Worship was good. I, our guitar players, every bit as good as Martina McBride's, maybe better. Yeah, maybe better. And and she played a bat, Pat Benatar song that this guy went off. And Brian goes off on guitar, and it's amazing. And, and Janie wanted to stand and shout. And in church, we're allowed to stand and shout. Maybe that's not your pleasure. Maybe you'd rather sit and be quiet. And we're, we're accepting of that, too. But, but we're, we're, we're of the opportunity that in our life, the number of years we have, whether it's 10 or 60 or 50 or 40 or 30 or 80 or 100, that we can make a difference in life. That God has chosen you to be something and to do something. And so we have to first remind ourselves that I am a child of the King. I'm a child of the Most High God. He's called me by name. That's amazing. The president's, no president's ever called me up and said, hey, Mark, what are you doing for dinner? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> no, but King Jesus looked down at you one day and said, why don't you come into my kingdom? And he had to come in these three offices in order for us to understand what his kingdom looks like. So the first thing he came is he came as a prophet. And the, a prophet is a messenger sent by God. A person who speaks for God. And when Jesus came, he came as a hypostatic union. Now, what is that? That, that means this. And so in, in, in my world, uh, one set of grandparents came over from Belgium. Another set of grandparents came over from Poland. They came uh, out of Europe during World War I or preceding World War I to come to bring a better life uh, for them, hopefully for their kids, and then as a grandchild for their grandchildren. And I would say this, they succeeded. I'm glad they came to America so that I could have a better life. So I'm 50% Belgium and I'm 50% Polish, okay? I'm half and half. When I was growing up, uh, my dad was explaining to us our uh, relationship on how we're half Belgium and half Polish, and, and I said, just not even realizing, I said, so if we were a dog, we'd be a mutt. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I would be a designer dog, <laughs> right? They, in which case, you're a mutt, they just pay thousands of dollars for you. And so this, this is what your case is, where we were a mutt when we were in the world, now you're a designer dog in the kingdom of God. Okay, but Jesus came as both. He wasn't half man and half God. He was all man and all God. 
That's the hypostatic union that he had. He's all God. He's all man. And so when he lays down what it's like to be a prophet, he's this person then that he speaks for God. He's the oracle. He's sent by God. He's a messenger. He, he's giving good news. And there were prophets in the Old Testament. You know them, Daniel and Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Zechariah and uh, Obadiah. They're prophets. They speak for God. They have a message. And unfortunately, in the Old Testament, sometimes that message was doom and gloom. But then there's prophets in the New Testament, and we have the right to prophesy over our situation. We have, we have been given that right. Now, I understand there is an office or a calling of those who are prophetic, and I think it's good. I think people should work in their prophetic gift. And if God's given you something to tell somebody, I would first say, pray about it for a while. Uh, let it mull it over. Make sure that it's God and not just bad pizza. Make sure that God is telling you those things, and then God will confirm it within you, and then go tell that person. But probably 90, if not more, 95% of the time, it should be life-giving. It should be a situation where someone's just speaking encouragement into you, someone is speaking life into you, because that's what the gospel is. It literally means good news. And so there's good news at hand that Jesus died for you, but he rose again. He's alive right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. This is a beautiful thing that Jesus did for us, and he spoke that, he prophesied. In fact, it's been prophesied throughout uh, endless times in the scripture. It talks about the Bible raising up a prophet in Deuteronomy. There will be a prophet that's raised up among you. Listen to him. Now, this is a, a twofold. One's talking about, obviously, Moses, and the other one's talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is a, a prophet. But when Jesus fulfills this office, he also leaves this office to us that we can make declaration of things. We can start to call those things that aren't as though they were. Romans 4, 17, that said even God who quickens the dead does that. He calls those things that aren't as though they are. He wants you to look at your situation and start speaking life into it. Oh, Pastor, my situation's dead. It's gone. It's no, there's no use. You keep speaking death and it'll die. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, there's power of death and life are in the tongue, and those that live by that shall experience the fruit thereof. And so when we start to speak death, it'll happen. Now listen, there, there are situations beyond our control that may come to death, but we don't need to continue to speak death into that. You start to speak life into yourself, I'm going to be okay. It's going to work out. Things are going to take place. I'm, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the first and not the last. I'm the lender, not the borrower. I'm, I'm joint heirs with Christ Jesus. I'm living a victorious life. You start to speak into yourself. If nothing else and nobody else wants to help you, you start to speak into yourself. Because you and Jesus are still an army. Amen? And you can be prophetic. Just don't be pathetic. All right? Some, some prophecies, they come across very pathetic. The doom and gloom. Listen, if Jesus Christ died and he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, making intercession for me, that's a win for all of us. doesn't matter who you rooted for last night. It matters that he roots for you right now. And if he's rooting for you, he is also speaking into your life. He calls you sons and daughters. In fact, John 1.12 says, As many that receive him, he calls them sons of God. 
and I've explained it before, I'll tell you this, you are all, whether you're a female or a male, you're all considered sons of God's because it was the sons that got the heir. They got the inheritance, okay? And so you are a son of God. Well, pastor, I'm a woman, I'm a women's liberator, and I, well, well, just don't be for this time. Experience the blessings that God has for you. And th that is Jesus prophesying over each and every one of us. Aren't you glad that Jesus still prophesies today? He prophesies through his word. He prophesies through his actions, what he already did. He prophesied, but he also wants you to prophesy as well. You might prophesy through a dream. It might be through a vision. It might be through uh, something that the Lord tells you, and, and you wake up, and all of a sudden, you know it's going to be all right. I've had dreams about people, and I've prayed over them, and I've thought them through, and, I, and, I, and I, then I, I have a dream again. I prayed over it, thought it through, and then finally, I wanted to make sure it's God. Hey, here's what God told me to tell you. Same thing on our messages on Sunday. I have an outline, and I pray about it. It. And then I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night two or three times, and I, and I get up, and I, I study it, and I go through it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord will continue to drop some things in it for me. It's a form of prophetic gift. We're all prophets. I want you to understand that. Now, some have a prophetic gift. Maybe it's a gift of knowledge or a gift of wisdom or a gift of understanding, and those are part of the prophetic household, and they can tell someone that they maybe here's a, here's a word for you. We're going to bring a guy in hopefully this summer who, uh, who lives in Mississippi. He works in the prophetic gifts, and it's nothing weird or eerie. He just calls you out, and he'll, he'll talk to you, and he speaks life into you, and, and, it's, and you walk away thinking, praise God. That, that is just so that's just so cool what God's doing. That's the Holy Spirit working through a prophetic gift. But we all have the opportunity to prophesy. In fact, uh, mothers and fathers and grandparents, you should be prophesying over your children all the time. You can do it rather than you can't do that. You can become that rather than you can't become that. You are good enough rather than you aren't good enough. God is your, is your guide and your leader. The Holy Spirit will lead you rather than just do what everybody else is doing. See, there's things in our life that we should be prophesying, and some of us haven't, and we need to. When you prophesy over those people in your life, prophesy over your job, prophesy over your business, prophesy over uh, great people, then God will start to do those things. Jesus came at the will of the Father to do the work of the Father and was revealed by the Father. So he wanted to so show who the Father was, and he did this in a form of prophecy. He wasn't accepted by the church world, by the radical Pharisees and the Sadducees. He wasn't accepted by the Sanhedrin. He wasn't accepted by the Roman community or the Jewish community, but he was accepted by a bunch of people who were more motley-looking crew. He was accepted by people who wanted to upset the establishment, so they accepted him for the wrong reason, but then he started to speak life into their situation. When you start to speak life into yours or somebody else's situation, it turns around. All you need is just a little glimmer of hope, just a little glimpse of life, just a little glimpse of, hey, you know what? I believe it's going to work out. I believe it's going to take, I believe it's, I don't know how. And, and here's the other thing about the prophetic. We don't have to choreograph how it's going to work out. We just need to start calling it done. Yes, yes. Jesus calls you complete before you were even started.
He sees the end from the beginning. Now, that's a mystery of heaven that I fully can't understand. Theologians have tried to figure it out. Doctrines have been based upon it. I choose to step back and just say, hey, God, you do what you want. I'm just going to be obedient to you. All right? That's, that's the important thing of our, of our walking. So here, let me, I just pulled out six declarations. You, there's, there's thousands of declarations in the scripture. Here's six of them. They're on the board. God is moving on my behalf. That's a good one to declare. Hey, God's moving on my behalf. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm not even sure what the end's going to look like, but he's moving on my behalf. Strongholds are coming down right now. And we can prophesy that in our, if you have a stronghold in your house, you start to declare that. There's a scriptural reference up there, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. You start to declare that the stronghold's coming down. Fear has no place here. Say the 365 fear nots in the scripture. And you can quote one every day. Fear has no place here. In fact, perfect love casts out all fear. God is my rescuer and my redeemer. And so if someone says you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever, hey, it's on God. He's already rescued and redeemed each and every one of us. The enemy must go. James said if you resist the devil, he must flee from you. He must go. You have, you have to know, though, you have to resist him. You can't continue to entertain those thoughts or those ideas or those actions and expect the devil just to go when you keep opening the door for him. Amen? If you resist him, he'll go. And then last but not least, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So those are just six that I picked out. But you can make declarations. In fact, you should make a declaration every day over your life. Speak God's word. Speak God's truth. Know that God's in charge. Understand the promises that, that are of God. And Paul said all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Yes, I agree. Amen, so be it unto me according to your word. Yes and amen. Yes, I agree. Amen, so be it unto me according to your word. You're agreeing with God in his word. You start to prophesy over your house. Now, this can get dangerous. We could have people running all over the place, prophesying all over people. If you're doing it in the name of the Lord and you're giving good news, I say go for it. If you're bringing gloom and doom, step back, pray through, make sure it's God. Step back again, pray through some more, make sure it's God again. Wait on it for a while and then go tell that person, okay? So that you're making sure that you've vetted yourself if that prophecy is something that's a little bit more difficult or a little bit more harder. But certainly if it's good news, go ahead and give it. In fact, turn to somebody right now and say, you can do it. You can do it in Jesus' name. You can do it. Just, just think about that for a second, all right? You're, you're prophesying over people that you're sitting next to, or, and, and maybe they needed to hear that today. Sounds simple. It sounds maybe even a little bit immature, but it's a start. Even our children had to crawl before they started to walk, and then you walk before you run. And so this prophecy is simply relaying God's word to another person because we're all messengers of God. Number two, Jesus came as a priest. A priest is a mediator or a bridge between God and human beings. Now, again, I'm not, in this particular case, I'm not talking about clergy as much as I am the priesthood. Second Peter says that we're all a royal priesthood. We're all a chosen generation. We're all a special treasure. He's rehearsing what was written back in Deuteronomy where God is telling his children of Israel, hey, you're the real deal. And he had to pump life into them because they were wandering in a desert for 40 years, all because of their own 
bad choices, and he had to get Egypt out of them, and he's wanting to pick them up. He's wanting to vilify them. He's wanting to make them something that they're not, and so he, he, he's calling those, but, but we're a royal priesthood. I did a, a wedding at a large Catholic church in Omaha, Nebraska, St. John's. It's on the campus of Creighton University, and uh, it was uh, for an attorney, and, and she got access to the church even though we uh, are not practicing Catholics. And so I pulled up, and the only parking place was a gated, uh, a gated spot, and it said priests only on it. And so Janie was with me. We had a couple musicians with us, and I pulled in, and they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to park over there. It said priest only. I said, well, I'm a royal priesthood. <laughs> I'm a chosen generation. I'm a special treasure in the eyes of God. And so I hit the buzzer, and the priest, I'm assuming somebody said, can I help you? I said, yes, I need to park my car. Not knowing what I was going to say, I was really bold to them in the car, not knowing what I was going to say, and, I said, and they said, okay, we'll let you in. And they buzzed the thing up, and I oh, praise God, at least I didn't have to say, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a chosen generation, I'm a, I'm a special treasure. And they would have said, okay, find another place to park, you're not father so-and-so. A priest is someone who literally stands in the gap. In number the 16th chapter, there's a really cool story about Aaron. Moses is directing people who are disobedient. They want to go back to Egypt. They're, they're just, they're, they're out of their minds. They're just, they have no idea. You brought us out of Egypt where we were working 18 hours a day, six days a week into this wilderness where we go out every morning and we get manna and quail and we eat that. And they were mad because they wanted to go back to Egypt. And, and, and so they were complaining. Because they were complaining, God rains fire down on them first. And then he sends plagues down. And so Moses tells Aaron, because there was a tabernacle, but it was a tent of meeting place. And there was a fire burning in there. And in the tabernacle was the representation of God, okay? And so this is where the priesthood comes from. Go grab a censer, start it on fire, and stand between the tent of meeting, okay, which is the, represents God, and the people which represent the plague. And I want you to stand there. I need some. Get, Dale, can you and Mark come up here for a second? Would you guys come up and help me just for a minute? Use those steps because you might be like me and not be able to step that that high. So come over here. Dale, you stand right there and look out. Mark, come over here. You, you, you stand right here. Stretch, but touch each other. Just bare, like, there you go. Perfect. Okay. And then I'm right here. So Dale's, don't judge him. Dale's God. I mean, you, you're in his image. Yeah, and you're the priest, you're Aaron, and I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's getting the plague, like I'm, I'm the sinner, okay? And Aaron grabs this fire, and he stands between God and those that are getting the plague, and, and the Bible says as soon as he stretched out his arms between God and between man, the plague stopped. Now, I want to tell you of a story 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha, called Calvary, where another man stood with his arms out, and he stood between God and man, and he took every person's sin upon his life. And because he did that, we can live in freedom today. Now, now think about that for a second. 
That's pretty heavy. Now, here's, now listen, now if we're given the priesthood, which Jesus left for us, and then every one of us can be marked, where we can stand between um, God and we can stand between man. And maybe God just lays somebody on your heart and says, hey, hey, God, would you please save so-and-so? Hey, God, would you please bless so-and-so? And you want to say, can one man make a difference? Yes, Aaron did, Jesus did, and you can as well. It's amazing what God has given us in the form of priesthood. One person. Now, Mark's not the biggest guy in the world. Not the, you're not the smallest either. Okay, I, I don't know how to say that. Dale's not the smallest guy in the world. I'm certainly not the most perfect guy in the world. But if God can use us, he can use anybody. He wants us Church, give this if nothing else. He wants us to stand in the gap for other people, to intercede for them, to pray for them, to lay hands on them, just to be, encourage them, maybe just give them a big hug, maybe take them groceries, maybe take them a box of peeps, whatever. whatever. He just is looking for anybody to stand in the gap. And the devil will say, one person can't make a difference, and I just showed you two people that can, Aaron and Jesus and anybody else who will dare to stretch out their hands. Give these guys a hand of appreciation. Thank you, guys. It's just about standing in the gap. Aaron stood in the gap and the plague stopped. Jesus stood in the gap and our sins are forgiven. But he doesn't end there. He transfers that office to us. And he says, hey, will you stand in the gap for somebody? Maybe you want to stand in the gap for a family member who just doesn't, doesn't get it, or maybe they're, maybe they're just low on life. And maybe it just starts by praying for them, and then maybe God wants you just to, to bless them or, or partner with them or mentor them or share with them or, or show them or bring them to church or love, the, love on them. And parents, I know you do a great job standing in the gap for all your kids anyways, but that's really what Jesus did for us and continues to do for us and wants to do for us and needs to do for us and enjoys doing for us as he stands in the gap because he's the great high priest. But he's given that priesthood over to us. Melchizedek, theology, tells us, the theologians studied out, was he, like, was he Christ? Was he, the Bible says there, the author of Hebrews says he was a type of Christ or a symbol of Christ. He came before, he, he felt, he held the office of, of both king and of both priests. And again, out of the tribes, you couldn't have both because yeah, after Moses, one had to be Levitical and one had to be through the, um, through the tribe of Judah if you were a king. But yet he's a king of righteousness or a king of peace and he's a priest of righteousness. And, and all these things that, that Melchizedek was uh, also looked like we could be. And so when we walk through these natures and we walk through them with humility, and all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a prophet, and I, I don't say it arrogantly, but I say it with all humility, I can prophesy to my problem. Now all of a sudden I'm a priest, and I don't say it arrogantly, I say it uh, humbly that now I can stand in the gap for my family or my friends. I can stand in the gap for uh, people that go to church with me, and I can, I can believe that uh, prophetically speaking it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. And then the last office that Jesus fulfilled is that of king. 
The king is a person who has supreme authority over a territory. In fact, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 29, the Bible says that if, if we take, as we take communion, if we take it for granted, and that word for granted is anaxius. It's the Greek word, uh, anaxius. That means if we, if we start to just say, well, it's, it's just another day at the, at the church office. It's another day at, at church, at the, at the Christian ease. I'm just going to go in and pay. He, when, when we come into uh, a meeting of fellow believers, we come into the community of Christ, we can impact the whole world because we know who the king is. And he makes time for each and every one of us. He sets aside his schedule. He sets aside his time frame and his timeline. He sets aside those things in our, in our life. And he says, I'm going to make time for you, child. Uh, we look at the king and we look at his court when you go back 500 years before Christ to uh, the days of uh, Saul or uh, David or Solomon, and you go to right around the Reformation, 15 or 1600s, okay, uh, and you see the king and his court, the king's court was a place that you were given uh, out of honor. And when you went into the king's court, you had a place to live. You had uh, food on the table. You ate at the king's table. Uh, he provided for you. Uh, if there was a war, you had instant protection and safety. You were in the king's court. And everybody who came into the king's court, they would, they would bow uh, to the king. And this is one of the reasons we bow during worship, because we believe that wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there will he be in the middle of us. So King Jesus is here. And he was anointed king, okay, uh, because of his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, and he, and he walked through. That's why he, he took the power position where he sits on the right hand of the Father. But when we recognize that now I am in the king's court, now I am a part of the king, look what King Jesus did. If you use the court as, a, as an example, he provides for you, just like they did in the court. He gives you protection and safety like they did in the court. He, he, he blesses you, and he gives you his ear. There's a, there's, there's a moment there where maybe the king wouldn't. And the Bible says, Paul speaking, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that he is king. Now, unfortunately, some of those people, it may be too late. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the judge. Come on up, worship team. We're just, you're ready. Let's go. Uh, I'm not the judge, but, but I would say this, that Jesus said some will, will, will be there, and they won't know the difference because uh, he, he, they did not have intimate relationship with him. They didn't know him in that regard. They didn't know him as king. They, they knew him. In fact, they even kind of used him a little bit, but they didn't know him as, as king. And Jesus wants to know us as king. But it's an it's a office that... Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God... This morning into his court. And it's like if you were invited to the White House or to, you know, a, a castle in England or somewhere in Europe, or you were part of a, a, a large contingency uh, in the Middle East of, of someone who was great and powerful, and all of a sudden you, you were swooped in and they accepted you and they loved you and, they, and, and you, they provided for you and you didn't need to do anything. It was just like, man, how, how can this be? That's King Jesus. That's, that's how he invites you into his court. 
He says, I know who you are, but we try to hide it from people. And we try to mask ourselves on Sunday morning. We try to mask our hurt and our, our doubt, our shame and our blame. And yet God says, wait, you come just as you are. I'm going to make you a priest and a prophet. And you can come into my, all you have to do is accept what Jesus did on the cross. Stand with me this morning. Every person here, if you would, I want you to contemplate for a second. Just for a moment. someone who I know needs prayer and I know King Jesus will hear me why is it? Because he lives right here in my heart I'm close your eyes and if you're comfortable just raise your hands for a moment no, no I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, I simply want you to say as I pray Lord would you use me maybe he wants to use you to prophesy good news into other people, maybe he wants to use you to stand in the gap for other people. Maybe he just wants to use you to, to bow down to the King of Kings and the Lord of all glory. That bright morning star, that lily of the valley. But we're going to sing another song and after that song we'll have a few more instructions about some things if, if you need to. But he, he, I, want you to, I want you to know this. We sing it all the time if there's another in the fire, if there's someone that I need to lean on and his name is Jesus and he's here today. Not only that, but he wants to anoint you as a priest. He wants to anoint you as a prophet. And I'm going to pray to that means right now. Those watching online, those in-house, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you anoint your servants today, not arrogantly or ignorantly, but humbly. Would you anoint them priests and prophets of you, where they can speak life into other people. They can speak hope and encouragement. They can speak grace and beauty. They can have mercy. And as a priest, they can stand in the gap. They can mentor and disciple. They can love and share. They can hug. Father, Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that there would be a fresh and a new anointing over your people, over your humble servants, Lord, to walk in the authority that you've given them. Lord, as we come to worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of all glory, Father, Lord, we worship the King. We thank you, Father. We set aside any self-made or man-made idols or any, any prohibitions, Lord, of what you're supposed to look like. We just acknowledge you today as King of kings, and we thank you for that, Father. I pray you would impart, Father, Lord, priestly garments spiritually and, and prophetic wishes, Lord, humbly to each of your servants today. Allow them, Father, Lord, the power and the impact, Lord, to be the people, Lord, that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. Let's worship one more song. God bless you today.
couple things really quickly. One, I'm, um, I'm drawn, uh, I'm drawn for a moment thinking of just uh, Janie's 84-year-old mother <laughs> who has a Bible study on Friday nights where 10 or 12 or 14 people come and, 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 and she probably doesn't even realize it, although she does because she's been doing it for so long, is she's standing in the gap for those people. She's standing in the gap. And, and I want so here's what I want to do. We're going to close in a minute. But Dale, if you come up here and just stand like right here at, the, at this aisleway. And Mark, come over here and stand at this aisleway. And Amanda, come up here and stand in the middle, would you? And, and, and maybe you just came today and you just need somebody to stand in the gap with you. you know, maybe you just need someone to, just to believe. You know, there's a lot of heartache in the world today, and maybe you're not there, but maybe you are. Maybe it's just like, man, just like the world just is crashing down. And I wish, I wish, <laughs> I wish Janie's mom was here. It's like she'd pray the fire down. But sometimes it's just a soft, still word. Sometimes it's just a spoken word that says, hey, you can do it. It's going to be okay. You're a priest. possible without being, you know, a heretic. You're a priest and a priestess. You're, you're a prophet and prophetess. And we have some priests and prophets and prophetesses up here that if you need prayer today, we're going to open in a second. I'm going to ask Janie to come up and close. You just close this morning. 
prayer. She's going to close us in prayer. You can consider yourself dismissed after she prays. But if you need someone to stand in the gap, Grace Church wants to be there with you. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you that you are our Father. You are Abba Father. That we can come to you at times of need just like we would come to our own fathers when we would have needs. Lord, we come to you today. And we just bring all our heaviness, our our heart situations, Lord, that are maybe battling, people are going through. We just bring those today. But Lord, we also thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Lord, when we're going through situations, we can just get in your presence and have the joy of the Lord. I pray, Lord, for each and every person, Lord, that, that they would know who they are in Christ, that you have created them, you have formed them, you have shaped them to be exactly how they are. And you can perfect according to your word in Psalms. You will perfect those things which can concern me. The areas where I make mistakes and fall short, you still love me and it is your job to perfect or complete those areas because I am who you say I am. I am great in your eyes. You love me and you are completing my areas that I need completing. So Lord, I pray that over every person today. Lord, I pray you would just be with them. Give them such an awesome week. Let the favor of the Lord just go before them and behind them and around them. Just everywhere they go, let the favor of God just open doors that need to be open and shut doors that need to be shut in their life, Lord. We just place everything in our life into your hands because you are in charge and we love you and we thank you and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you so much. But come on up if you need some prayer. We'd love to pray with you. As for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.